Welcome back to Composer Quest. I'm your host in Minneapolis, Charlie McCarran, and in this show I talk with composers, songwriters, producers, and scientists to bring you musical inspiration and practical composing tips. That amazing intro you just heard was created by today's guests, the composers at High Five Games. Aldo Perez, Jonathan Roberts, and Nick Tardiff have the fun day job of writing music for slot machines. And in this episode, they share their composition techniques for hooking people in and making their wins exciting. Eldo, the head of the High Five Game Sound Department, talks about some research he did on other slot machines early on in the process. Most of these games are tuned to C major, like they're, they're extemporaneous or, or meta sounds were in C major. So I started writing everything in C sharp, just to <laughs> you know, just to, just so that it was sitting there, you could hear it. We also get into a philosophical discussion about using your musical skills to get people hooked on gaming. If you're going to play these things and you're going to lose your money, I am aware that I'm doing everything in my power to get you to do that. I am here to make the best, sweetest flower for you to put your coins into. You know, because I, I don't know how else I can do this if I don't embrace the free will aspect all that and more coming up. I haven't written a patron jingle this week because you don't want to hear me sing with this cold, but thanks again to all my patrons who've been supporting this show. Also, I have one quick announcement. We ended up with 10 new video games created during our game jam. Nice work, everybody. I'm looking forward to sharing all these games and soundtracks at Gamers Rhapsody on November 13th. If you want to stay in the loop on future composing quests like that, Subscribe to my once-a-month email list at composerquest.com slash email. Or you can follow ComposerQuest on Twitter or Facebook. All right, let's get on to my talk with Aldo, Jonathan, and Nick. Well, thanks for joining me here on ComposerQuest, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about High Five Games, what what you guys are doing there. Why, why don't I just give a little background, yeah. Start, yeah. Start, yeah. start, contextualize it. I guess it was in 2006, I got a guitar student who came to my home, uh, and I noticed he was quite stressed out, and the guitar was like his way of trying to relax and have some alternative to something he was doing. That something, it turned out, was a company called High Five Games. When it was pretty small, a group maybe of 12 programmers, a few artists, mathematicians. Sounds were being done by whatever other company they were selling to. This is all going on out of my sight. I know this guy as my guitar student. I was doing um, a lot of drugs, okay, <laughs> and uh, working... <laughs> Working in downtown theater and working a lot as a performing guy in a band. I had a, I had a great gig at the living room that lasted for 15 years of my life. But I got this, this theater piece that I got a lot of money at one point that, so I could put a, a good production value in it. And, and he came to see it. And then uh, I guess it wasn't completely out of the blue because I, I primed him pretty early. said, well, what does your company do? Who makes your sounds? You know? And if you ever think you want to, like, take this to the next level of personalization, I'd love to do them for you. I think I threw that out there really early. But it was, it was forgotten about because it didn't happen for a good year. 
And meanwhile, I'm just struggling in New York as a performer, as a guitar player, as an actor. It was ridiculous. I have kids. So he calls me in, you know, he said, hey, we'd like to give you a shot at doing some scoring for us. So I started getting these like little jobs from them for about three or four months. The parent company, IGT, this megalith, hires me all through email to work for them and make sounds just for this company. A week later, they call me into their office and say, hey, we want to hire you. This is like a big change for them, a huge change for me because I've never gone corporate. They know because they've seen like I, my piece that I did downtown was like completely outrageous. Okay. It was like, it, it was disturb. It was, you know, if he could hang with that and call me and say, we want you to do sounds. I was like, well, they want some like, you know, edgy, cready, whatever. And I was just in the right place at the right time. And, and they put the future in front of me. Like you're going to manage a group of composers. It was pretty close to what it turned out being, but it, it seems so far away. You know, we want you to manage a group of composers and, you know, and like really oversee all the projects. And they did their whole spiel. It's both the company's owners sitting right in front of me, like with their legs open. So I'm looking at their balls, you know, <laughs> and they're, and, and they're giving me this pitch that they think is blowing me away. And in one way it is, but in another way, I just saw it like, this is just going to be complete handcuffs. You know, and I just said no. I was like, <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> and they both. I. It was one of the few times in my life where I saw the jaws go down, and 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 I realized that I I had a moment where I could actually you know wiggle in, and this wasn't just for me because if I was going to involve other people or whatever it was, I needed them to understand that you, you can't ask musicians to come into an office, some sterile, asinine office environment at, at 9 o'clock in the morning, throwing headphones next to some kid programming, eating Fruit Loops, you know, and try to make music for your garbagey shit. You know, I was like, we got to do things differently. So, you know, I laid upon them the best possible job description I could get, which was working from home most days. Uh, which I yeah. still, you know, it's still part of my philosophy with the people that work for me to allow them to have freedom to not be completely oppressed by a job like this, you know, where you're making music in an office environment. One thing that I'm curious about with you guys working as a collective, how much do you collaborate and like provide feedback for each other and that kind of thing? Plenty of feedback. We do, we do a lot of um, evaluating each other's work. Constantly, the one nice thing about having kind of a studio environment here is that we all work closely together and we, we hear each other's music quite a bit. Um, but we also have very purposeful moments where we actually sit down and do these listening sessions where we evaluate, evaluate each other's work and we, and we talk, you know, about what the, this other person has done. And that person might give us some information on how, like, it's, it's always been very sharing here, I would say, like uh, yeah. the way that we will not hide any sort of like tricks or secrets. Everyone's always kind of like openly saying like, oh, I, you know, might even open up an instrument patch and show them like the settings or whatever, you know, uh, cool. so. Yeah, we're all trying to solve, I mean, we all kind of got thrust into the slot machine world that we didn't set out to in our life. And so now, you know, as a group, we're trying to problem solve like, oh, well, there's not, not a lot of ego going on because we're just trying to like 
just make make good slot machines and it's it's music that we might not normally write or it's like a different style that we've never written in so everybody's looking for help from this this community around us so it's kind of a nice sort of feels like a little old old timey writer's room kind of thing i, I mean yeah it has a the competition yeah, yeah for sure yeah, a little bit like that I'll, you know i'll add one thing to that that we were able to establish pretty early on that we wanted to make things that of, of a very high quality. You use live instruments, you know, not because, and this I'm, this sounds so, you know, I don't know how honest I need to be with you or want to be with you, but <laughs> it's not so much that I felt like the product needed it, but I felt like as musicians, we need it. Like we should have sessions where we use live drums and live horns and real singers and build, you know, build chorales and, and, and have very... Uh, lots of collaboration uh, combined. Sometimes these guys have grouped in twos and threes to to create projects together. Um, you know, so these things are are always you know structured in so that we don't become siloed from each other. But since the music, even though it's like you know insane, you know for these things, it's completely over the top. You 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 have an opportunity to at least in a very short amount of time dig in fully to a thematic idea with music so you can throw all the pain against the wall and that's a really fun thing that i see it's great to see a room of people doing that and being encouraged not to pare it back or make it crappier or you know dumb it down but take it to the right level of of you know full polish so i don't see these guys never seem to get depressed because you know musically yeah, well, and you're trying to write music that is with people at their high point. You know, they just want right. big, and you're the music that they hear when they want big in that moment. They've been like sitting there for a while, and you know, to, to be creating something that's a big happy moment is kind of kind of cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about like some techniques. Like what what kind of things do you guys do that creates that huge amount of excitement in the music. Definitely. Key changes. Key changes. <laughs> key tempo, changes, yes. You know, I mean, the tempo is always pretty up. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, key changes. Like, key, like a lot yeah, of, uh, I don't know, I, I don't want to speak for other people as far as key changes, though, but like a lot of key changes that go in thirds and not like, uh, not necessarily going in fourths or... Kind of like really, sometimes like almost comical key changes, you know? Yeah, jarring. Yeah. yeah. Jarring movement and stuff that, you know, big contrast. If things are going, at, you know, one level, creating a lot of space so another thing can jump out and it's really big. Um, one, of, one of the things that we try to capture is that if you were blind and playing the game, that you would be able to detect at what level that you're winning all the oh. time. Like you, you can feel the impact of those contrasts and those chords or textures uh, or shout outs or win levels, you know, because there, there's many of them. So if you can infer that purely from your ears, we've done our job. And I heard a lady scream when she won the frickin' jackpot at the, at the casino. And, you know, when you hear someone scream, there's only a few kinds of screams. There's, like, pleasure, <laughs> right? There's, holy shit, I just saw an accident. And I have never heard that one. <laughs> I want winning scream. I never heard it in my life. You know, I heard a few people like clapping at casinos, like yay, but this was I I can't even tell you what it was her whole life 
came to one place. There was no more barrier. Her shelter, everything was down. <laughs> <laughs> it was the pure self just guggling like like a raw, bloody nerve of go, go, you know, like woo, woo, woo. She was so excited. And I was like, I, I saw our product in a whole different way. And and you know what? Their celebration was playing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's saying celebration. That means typically when there's a big win in any of these kind of casino games, there's some sort of like mega roll-up sound that's usually like super musical. Uh, you know, there's these things known as roll-ups in our industry, which is like when you collect points, like you know, or you know, you're winning. That's like the sound. The, the thing's actually rolling up, like yeah. the like, like the, it's like the a meters, kind uh, of sound. Yeah, the spinning. meter rolling up. These things escalate, and the, and the celebration roll-up is like the highest form of of the roll-up. So the this is yeah, of the yeah. roll-up, <laughs> the, ja the jackpot roll-up, basically. Like a minute of yeah. uh, pure uh, winning. What are the like main sound ingredients? I think Jonathan, you m mentioned that like for yeah a slot machine. Well, you have um, you have some underscores. That's kind of similar to a um, maybe a video game, I guess. have uh, symbols that come up. Those are like, you win something, you know, three or five things line up, and you get a little animation that uh, goes, and, and that's like three seconds, someone, and then there's music that goes with that. What else? There's these roll-ups, these little wins, and big wins. Right. Um, usually like some transitional material if, if anything's happening, if you're going from one place to another in a game. Mainly also the, these ideas that, that these guys are describing, these small moments, have to be very powerfully thematic. For example, if, you're, if your main uh, uh, proponent, protagonist, is the Valkyrie Queen, right, and she's got a spear, it's, you know, ho, 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 ho. It's, it's, it's you have to feel that it, with every bit of impact within that three to four second moment. So what you're dealing with is fully fleshed out thematic ideas. Like we'll even take a look and scrutinize the very smallest thing. Like, well, that's vague. It's not telling me who he is or what he's doing. And uh, sometimes this is a problem if the animations are, are not as, as robust or as clear as we need them to be. You know, we have to paint these, these uh, emotional feelings into them. So a very large part of this is, is having emotional impacts. So you, your cadences are really important. You know, you're going to be very careful not to end on a down, you know, cadence that ends on a minor going down. That's not a winning sound unless you're, you know, there's some sort of, you know, gloomy effect that you're trying to achieve. Um, 
we're very careful to look at that. So you're listening to a lot of theoretical, musical, compositional, theoretical devices and techniques that are tightly woven into this thing in like a stretto because it's all jam-packed together. And then add to that, it's random. Right, yeah. yeah so the is composition is happening yeah. in some aleatoric, random way. We've provided all of these sounds, but you're the one that's like, Making yeah. making that particular tune that instance, day. Instance of those sounds. Yep, and yeah. you need to always be hungry for it. When you're listening to these games, if you're not hungry for the next, oh man, oh what's going to happen, or what was that sound, or I got to hear that again, you know. So uh, these have to psychodynamically hit you right in the medulla, man. They got to be like, they got to feel good. Got to yeah. feel like a ball of wool. Okay. <laughs> So the one thing I was wondering about is like when you have these uh, underscores or big wins, I mean, you're doing all these key changes um, and then the loop, I'm guessing we'll just have to repeat back to the beginning. So do you try to do like techniques where the keys at the end of the loop? Yeah. It goes back to the beginning and it still feels like it's rising up. Yeah. Yeah. Like a barber pole. Yeah. Yeah, right. The barber yeah, right. pole. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, loop points are very important. We try and if you can detect them, it's not we, we tried never to have that happen. It's it's hard. Right. It's it's a challenge always. And it's, and it could be even more of a challenge going forward as some of our products go to to, to more limited sound holding devices, like handheld devices. Something that was a minute long in our games, is going to go down as little as 8, 10, 15 seconds. Like, how will that loop point affect yeah. you? Is it, you know, so th mm -hmm. these are things that, that are of great concern all the time. Yeah, you always have to get to your point. Well, you were just saying that. you got to get to your point right away. If you're in, if you're in uh, um, you know, Sleepy Hollow or something like that, you got to be in that world in one second. Um, and that's, that's like a big... Uh, thing that has like <laughs> that has been a challenge i guess for all of us you know you get the job and you your your developmental periods has to you always have to be there right away how does the sound design play into it like what are you guys all sound designing too yeah we're kind of doing the dual purpose composer and sound design job so it's not like in in modern console type video games where there's like a whole team working on bullet sounds or Footstep sounds. We don't really have that here. We're, we're kind of like integrating both into our composition of the game. The yeah, and mixing effects. too. You yeah, know, and the mixing. There, there's engineers that work, there's like a mastering team that works on the games after us and they do some mixing too, but it's kind of on, the, the composer gets to learn about sound design and mixing along the way. Yeah. We also encourage uh, everybody here has a, you know, a, at least some decent education fund these guys and myself have used it or are currently using it. So we always stress, don't let yourself get complacent or behind the times on techniques or ideas. Um, I always ask anybody who takes a course to demonstrate what they've learned, you know, just, just to, we've paid for that. So we want to, we want to do that sharing. So that, that helps a lot too. But I would say about the sound design, as you mentioned, I think that that sound design is a very compositional element of, of these games because of the proximity. I just scored a film, which the sound design lives kind of separate. And, or, you know, it's more stretched out. 
But here everything is so whooshy and quick, and you know you have you have tones and and music along with spins, you know things. So you have to be very judicious and careful, and and those things are compositional. It's it's almost almost like sculpture, right? Or mm-hmm. the the uh, visual might have a, a strong rhythmic component once you sound design it too. So your music kind of needs to exist within that and not and not try to fight it in that short period of time it needs to kind of be a like a cohesive musical and sound designed thing yeah you need to justify everything you do you're telling a story so when you're asking about like use a lot of thirds i can say we use a lot of bells and clicks Things that cut through mechanically that, that, that get you also novelty sounds. If you're living in a field of rabbits and you see a chicken, you're going to look at it. <laughs> you, you know, th- this is, hey, these are psychological you. things, you know, that you have to understand um, that we as predators, you know, like we, we build this into it. So as, as you're working on these games, you know, I ask these guys all the time, justify everything that you do. Everything has to have a reason to the story that's being told there. I don't know if it's like this in other companies, but we have to deal with some level of literary or narrative process because right. it's, it's always got to be clear. If it's confused, and we've made unclear stuff, right? You know, it's like we've looked at it and go, oh, you know, no, we need to throw vocal on that, separate them, change their keys, create more contrast, you know, develop the uh, conflict if you have an antagonist, protagonist situation, you know, you can really get that. If there's two lovers, you know, how are you going to represent them? Horns and strings. You know, you, you, you need to make this thing impact. So the old lady sitting there smoking her moors, you know, she's going to, oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize when we started that, you know, without working here you know, before that, I, I didn't realize that these games each had stories. You know, there's like a little narrative that's written out by the people that develop them, you know, that you're trying to represent. Right. Yeah. And the style of slot machine that we've been scoring for this entire time is, is a pretty... Um, Narratively rich. Yeah, and it's, it's often involving characters. It's often involving, you know, it's not like the number seven or, a ch- or two cherries. It's not like that level of, of slot machine. It's definitely more of like sort of like a cinematic kind of look. Yeah, like so, heroic fairy princess, you know, candy factory. You know, they're they're by hearing the name of a game, you should be able to tell me what you would write for it. Yeah. So maybe as like an example, um, Jonathan, you sent me a, your music for Babylon City. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Good could one. you yeah. maybe describe like what that story is in that? That yeah, one. Babylon City was I, I I think it's like this uh yeah, kind of film noiry land and there's a hard-boiled detective who's uh trying to solve a case and uh chasing after this um the starlet is one of the characters. There's different symbols that come up. You know, there's the starlet, there's the 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 thug that that uh you know, why are you always picking on me? You know, <laughs> something like that. And there's the uh there's the redhead that's like um, seductress or something, trying to put him off course. I mean, some of this we're inferring, but that's what we project onto them. Um, like LA, LA Confidential yeah. meets a graphic novel. Yep. Right. But you know, even with these few words, you can almost hear what it should sound like. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, yeah, and then that did, uh, it was amazing. The, then, that, then that leads into you know getting the voice over people in there and 
tell, trying to tell that story. This town will swallow you up. Musically, what? How did you approach that one? Um, well, when I was a kid, I I, I loved the firm score. Remember that Dave Grusin, like with the pounding of the low notes over and over. Like almost, it's <laughs> almost piano. all piano. I think it's like piano, you know, over, <laughs> over and over. Um, so I I really I always thought that was a cool score. So I wanted to make an homage to that uh, that score, but then also you know drop in these archetypes of, of um, you know film noir the the sexy saxophone, uh, the reverb, and you know the the gunshots wafting in the distance, the sirens, uh, trying to assemble all those things. You know, we had a big win that was like pretty good, kind of upbeat. But then Aldo recommended, um, you know, the the movie The Mask. Oh yeah, with Jim Carrey, and there's like a big, it's kind of a big band feel there, cartoony. Then there's a scene where it's like, you imagine like the cops coming into the speakeasy or something, and it all uh, hell breaks loose. Yeah, all hell breaks loose in the speakeasy, and you hear the band playing, and it's just (laughs) kicking up and the sirens and everything. You know, words help a lot with this because when, when we say, I, I said it needs to have a criminal element. It needs to be fun. It needs to be exciting. It needs to be dangerous. It needs to be black and white with shots of red color coming through it. You know, you, you, you can hold on to sometimes a group of words. You know, different people have a different way of processing it. But I remember when I first heard it from John and he had the, this piano thing going, prank. Right. Yeah, yeah, this rake in there that's just like, you're there in under three seconds. Well, Nick, maybe um, you could talk about Golden Monkey. Sure. vibe um from the animation was kind of a almost like an indiana jones kind of vibe like temple of doom it's kind of like ancient ruins and trying to find like this kind of treasure that's that's hidden in there and there's that element of danger again in this but a different kind of danger in this one more of like the uh temple of doom kind of danger (laughs) but maybe not getting your heart ripped out but but we, vague, <laughs> but maybe we maybe, discuss, getting, maybe. We, we did discuss like is there a a hint of supernaturalism? Right, that's like another. it was a hint because if you put too much, I remember that was a point where like it's not completely without it, but it's not drenched in it either. It's a really subtle thing that Nick did. Yeah, that one was just just struck me, just how elaborate it is and like changing constantly. I mean, I, I noticed that theme with a lot of your guys' music, which is really cool. But it does move quickly. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of if you were running through the jungle, you know, the changes that you would be feeling would be in twos and threes. You know, it's like you can... I don't know if you're using polyrhythms there, but, you know, the, those... Probably. Probably. Yeah. You know... <laughs> I remember those that water drum 
or the, right. the bass tones that you're getting out of it make me feel like I'm my heart is racing. Which incidentally, you know, the heart rests at 60 beats a minute. So if you have music at 120, you know, there's there's an implication that you're you're okay. But if you surge forward from there, you you can feel the anxiety weigh on you to to be more to feel your heart rate go up. So there are times where we try to like race you, you know, and, and make you feel accelerated and get, get more excited as the thing is happening. Hmm. Do you think there is like some science, scientific studies like behind 120 beats per minute being like a standard comfortable a good rate or anything? Or I don't know. Probably. I mean, I find like when we're writing these, you know, your underscore just chilling, moving along versus your celebration, you know, or your, your roll up your little wins, you know, 120 and 150 for the wins. If you do like 180, oh, it feels a little frantic. It doesn't feel happy. You're sort of like distracted from winning. You're, you're like, you're, you're winning, but yeah, it's like, it's irritating. It's like, you're being, <laughs> it's like you're being dragged behind a Jeep. It's, it's too yeah. fast. Yeah, exactly. And then there's just like certain... <laughs> spots where it just feels right. I don't know if there's a scientific study, but it feels like there is every time we write these things. Yeah. There is like sort of a natural tempo schema. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're playing and then you win big and you go to a bonus level and you go down a few BPM, well, that just feels weird, you know? So you have to kind of keep track of where the player flows, you know, how it flows. As far as like the psychodynamic elements in there, ending on open cadences rather than closed cadences if you didn't win, I think is something that I try to encourage because, you know, you, you, you don't want to feel a, a finality to not winning. You want to feel like, ah, oh, I got to try again. So you could see how that would prompt you, you know, how the whole thing hanging on, on a five chord. You know, is going to make you yeah. press that thing again like a monkey looking for that freaking shot. Of, of espresso, you know, so, so the game does, we do try to pull you there and not feel like you're, you're getting out, you know, really the, the ultimate cadential end is the math screen. Nothing should feel completely, you're turning corners. Do you understand what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Wagnerian in that way. There's light motifs, hard light motifs to identify characters. We, we avoid, you know, well, he didn't avoid the five core, but you get my point. He leaves it open. You know, everything's open until we finally get you out of the game. And there's a natural time that a person will spend in one of these slot machines to get through to a bonus. I've, heard, I've asked about this. 20 to 30 minutes. So if oh, you wow. can imagine can't, playing yeah. this thing for that long to get to a bonus game to maybe decide, hey, oh, right. I've, I've won big or this is enough for me or whatever it is. Yeah, the bonus, a lot of these games, almost all of them will have a bonus game you play 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 and then you win a set of free games and you go to this kind of new world with new music and all the spins are you know quote free and uh you know you play 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 and that's where you can win big and then when that's done then you get like kind of that resolution all of a sudden ah look at all my winnings here it is then you kind of go back to the definitely that is that is the circle that that we're trying to take people and when people are playing these games they're trying to get to the bonus game so your main game has to be interesting enough to keep you there through 
interest and discovery. There's got to be enough discovery along the way and anticipation of getting to that bonus game that you're going to stick it out until you get there. And then the bonus game better be this huge payoff that, you know, that you felt it was worth it. You know, because these, if these people are spending real money, there's skin in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm guessing that you write music for these big wins that are only heard, like, by a few people. Well, I guess... That is sometimes the case. Yeah. yeah there are often parts of, of a game that we will write that will, you know... We're so proud of. Yeah, right. And then, and then. For, yeah, for the most part, they, that that asset won't play, you know, unless yeah. unless something really extraordinary happens. You right. know? People get a celebration even with a, do, yeah. a moderately large. Yeah, it might win. not play the whole sure. thing, but they'll get part of it. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Hmm. But there's still elements sometimes that. Yeah, like this this lineup. These symbols have to line up for this yeah. win to happen, and that happens. I don't know once every thousand or whatever. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. So thousand years. Yeah. <laughs> So how many minutes of music would you say you write for each uh, total? Game? So actual music may be somewhere in the two to three minutes of actual like music. Like an underscore may be anywhere between a minute and, and two minutes. Some of like the bigger wins are very musical, so you we'll might combine include... that with a, a, a main game underscore. It could be as right. much as four or five minutes. That's of true, total actually. Music. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then all... pick bonuses sometimes have music. And, yeah. yeah, and then the little symbols that adds up. I know it's more like a lot of little pieces, but yeah. every one of those symbols that that you know is a session. You open that session. You relate it to everything else happening in the game. You th- imagine what, what's needed from that character, where they are in the hierarchy. They don't all win the same. But, um, you know, it's, it's deceiving for five to four to five minutes of music. It's a lot of sessions. Each one of those animations yeah. is its yeah. own session. So on the casino floors, how does that work with, like, competing music from other machines? Do you have to kind of keep that in mind and just or just whatever... Happens, happens. <laughs> well, this is where I came into the company. They were purely a land-based company. And I went to Vegas on several chips and did an, exactly an evaluation along the lines of what you're, you're asking about. I had to see, okay, well, what does it matter? Does it matter? You know, how much does it matter? Does the mix need to be predisposed to a certain kind of obnoxious? Most of these games are tuned to C major, like they're extemporaneous or, or meta sounds were in C major. So I started writing everything in C sharp. <laughs> just to you know, just to, just so that it was sitting there, you could hear it. Yeah, Viol- I thought there was yeah. a rule like against because uh, when because you go to you go to like Paris. I remember going to Paris Casino as a kid and with, with my pitch pipe, and it was like clearly a wash of C. Yeah, and so I I was I just thought, and I think did you, you, you mean you're still here? You haven't I think been it's evaporated. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, I I think it's yeah. morphed over time though because I do remember going to a casino when I was younger and the same drone, it was like the room just hummed uh, and then you would hear these, you know, you would hear other like extensions sometimes over the over that, like in those little wind moments or in these other little like, you know, one shot kind of moments that you would hear. But the, you know, the, the prevailing, uh, yeah. you know, thing was this, just like this drone. And, I, I don't but think it, now, it's, now it's, 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 
There's no consciousness to that. That's just like an evolutionary sludge <laughs> that, that people decided. <laughs> That's my guess. I don't think there's. But a, I think it's different a, now, yeah. though. Like you walk in, like I don't get the same sense now when I walk in a casino. So a lot much. more informed by video games. That's yeah. why it's yeah, like, and those scores are, are liberated. You know, it's like if you're going to put the Rolling Stones tunes on, or Kiss tunes, or Michael <laughs> right, Jackson, you can't you're be in C. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're going to modulate our <laughs> yeah. verse to fr- that's in C to the bridge that will also be in C. Right. <laughs> but, you know, certainly bells and, and sounds like that that can chime out in, in very particular ways. And, and I also thought that we could do better than other companies right away, right away. Like that day, I was like, man, just... And I heard, you know, some other companies were researching their games for three months like, oh, I, re- yeah, I read an article, you know, where some slot machine composer, yeah, I researched the game for three months. We research it for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it takes. If you're going to decide to watch a TV show, you, 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 should know, you know by the poster. So, you know, our evaluation process is pretty fast. We drill in deeply and hard, you know. And, and I think during the course of that month when these guys are writing, they try to get the hook to me pretty quick like I'm looking to know that this is the right way to go with this and we do that closely together you know so establishing the palette the timbre the tenor that that really helps so on the casino floor um, this is an important question because I I visited the other composers at uh, major companies at, at two very large companies and I noticed that they were largely depressed people you know just like they felt they're, they were good, really awesome musicians. These guys are awesome. I'm sure they still are. But they, they just, I, I looked, they, when I talked to them, they, I kind of felt like they, like they felt a futility about like this great stuff that they were putting out that wasn't going to get heard. And there was a kind of like, what does it matter anyway? And now I was going there as the, as the sound department like lead of my company. So I was very influenced by this. I'm like, this cannot happen. And, and right away, we started having a kind of idea that we would have a social presence. So I realized that, like, not only are our sounds really important, but everybody's going to hear them in their minutia. Because so, you're on social, because you're on headphones. You're on headphones you're, or speakers. And, yeah, and I just different. took that attitude. It's just like, it's, it's the opposite of whatever they got grandfathered into. And these are like, some of them are top players. That, that, that those companies have snatched up. And so that was really, uh, to me, like, okay, so we're going to make the music as, good, as great possible music and as obnoxious, you know, so it, like, really pops out at you because these games have to really speak to you. And, I mean, sometimes if there's a game that's calm, you know, like A G in Sunset was a game that we did, you know, you got to, like, dial in the timbre of the game. How would that work on the floor? You know, bells, clicks key change that would happen at a key moment, maybe pitching your cymbals so that they contrast sharply, but the pitch sets are the same. You know, our ears, our brains detect that stuff. But I stopped worrying about the casino floor and I started being more conscious about just having them sound great if you were listening to them as music. So that was just a sort of decision that I I felt I needed to make for the health of the people that were working. <laughs> yeah. With, yeah. Yeah. That together. does make yeah. a big difference. And there's some, I mean, so many people don't, they go to the casino once or twice a year, but they play slot machines constantly on their computer or their iPhone or, or whatever on with headphones or 
through their speakers. So, you know, for us to think about them first, I don't know. Mm-hmm. you're right. It, yeah. you're, you're right. It feels good. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys ever struggle with uh, moral quandaries about hooking people in with your music? <laughs> um, yeah. I yes. thought about that early on. Um, but I think, I think it's become more about kind of the atmosphere here at, at, at our work specifically um, and just this kind of this very true feeling of trying to create the best game possible and not really, you know, and that's really kind of what you're doing and not really, I mean, yes, there is that element that people are going to play these games and some people are going to lose money on them. But I don't know. I, I feel like that's just not where I put my focus necessarily. Yeah, one thing that the company also does a, a little bit outside of slot machine apps and you know, the, working on other apps in some way, and that was kind of new for me to learn about the models that go into other apps that are out there. And w- one thing I learned is that the sort of the mechanisms that people use to make other, you know, to try to get other people to monetize on these apps are, are very similar to the, you know, the, the way that slot machine apps or slot machines are kind of set up to try to get people to, to monetize and keep playing, which sort of, it kind of made slot machines seem less, you know, less offensive and, and other apps seem more offensive. It kind of leveled the, the field. <laughs> so it kind, yeah. kind of put things into perspective a little bit for me. I think it's important and those are great comments, you know, but it's also important not to equivocate about this. It's gambling. You know, a, a, a strong portion of it falls with inside a realm of something that's been linked with alcoholism. You know, if you look back at the history of gambling in, in medical literature, it's, it's conflated with uh, immorality, alcoholism, and gambling, those things. And, and, and I've, I've read extensively on this because I, I wanted not to just, like, enjoy my job, put my son through school, help these people with their families, you know, give these fine musicians awesome projects to do that can grow their muscles and, and feed their lives. You know, there's all that going on there, too, that I could just hide behind. But I don't want to just, like, give an answer or allow an answer to get through my gate that does not understand that if you're going to do that, if you're going to play these things and you're going to lose your money, I am aware that I'm doing everything in my power to get you to do that. I am here to make the best, sweetest flower for you to put your coins into, you know, because I I don't know how else I can do this if I don't embrace the free will aspect, even if there isn't free will, you know, whatever, you know, I I, I don't want to at least lie to myself that, that that this is what I'm doing. And some part of me does resist that and doesn't like it. But I saw that lady win that thing, man, and I was just like, I, it's not that I changed my mind about it, but I was like, she was ecstatic. <laughs> and everyone on that floor was just like, woohoo. And those people are out there smoking their cigarettes inside a building, and they're just loving it. Do I want to be around that? I really don't. But I do really get excited about making these things the best that they can be and understanding that the attraction principles 
and, and the things that pull you in. Because that's the same thing. Those are the same principles that any good television show, any way of advertising a product, any song. If you hear somebody launch into a song, you got to hook them. Got seven seconds or you're dead. So I am fully immersed in, in, in what this gives me and what I, and what I get out of it. But I didn't want to like, I didn't want to tap dance around the morality issue. Yes, there's something I feel that's a bit pernicious about the way all of these products work. I, I feel that about marketing and advertising in general. But I, it's an open question. I can't say I'm against it because I do it myself. Yeah. I, and just having heard you say that now, it makes me think that... Um, if, if I was if I was writing video game music like console type video game music, I think you know maybe that thought would cross my mind too because I I mean you suck I think those kids in. I think we've something? all known that guy that's just spent too much time on a video game, right? Never it's just like and it's mm-hmm. you know that's the danger out there, right? Like mm-hmm. with, with with this stuff, it's like by being a free person. But you look at what you look at on the internet without even asking you. Okay, you go on the internet, you probably do 20 things you don't want anybody to know about. But aren't you glad that you can do that? You know, and if people want to play a slot machine is one of those 20 things, or if they want to go to the casino, uh, you know, I've heard heartbreaking stories, but they're, they're all over. It's all about self-control and self-discipline. Are we helping you? No. You know, do I want a society guided by laws that don't allow things based on morality? No. You know, but it's it's a slippery question because you don't want to go too far. You don't want to go not far enough. You know, it's like there's there's all kinds of things here. Sometimes I wonder if like, hey, if gambling was legal all over the country, would there be less like of the compulsive kind of weird destructive gambling that's called there's there's three types of gamblers, the pleasure, the professional and the pathological Would the pathological people not feel so weird. And they would have outlets for it that perhaps didn't. I don't know. It's like the free drugs. Should drugs be free? And then, and then there'd be no drug dealers. You know, if you looked at that from a strict moral perspective, you'd say, no, we'd make a law having a no, zero tolerance on all drugs at all times. But would that work? You know, it's Aristotelian, your question. So it's yeah. an open question. Yeah, I mean, and then it, on the other hand, too, it's like a lot of Native American people are being supported by casinos too. That's, that's like, true. Especially that's here in Minnesota. Topic, yeah. That's another perspective. I hope that's true. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the numbers on that, but I really hope that's true. Yeah. Um, changing gears a little bit, uh, Eldo, what's the most memorable game that you've worked on, or most fun music you've gotten to? All right, I'd to have to on? say Guitar Kings. That one, I went upstate and I recorded on like seven or eight different guitars for sounds. I was like playing vintage amps. Finally, I went to GarageBand, which has like the best sounding amps. And I was just like, holy shit. I don't need like the Fender Twin and the Marshall Stack. It's like it's all here. So I use a combination of live instruments with garbage sounds you know, because it has to sound like a rock show, kind of in the 70s, you know, where you're stepping on people's canteens and you're, you're strung out on LSD, you know. And, and, uh, and, so, and the music had to be 
the, the licks had to be jive ass. You know, so that when you hear when you hear one of their licks, it had to sound like Hendrix, Page, or whoever. I mixed it largely in headphones, and I was like listening to it at high volumes because of the, you know, endorphins. <laughs> the nature of the music. <laughs> I could not hear for for three weeks to a month afterwards, and that really that really frightened me to think that that much you can oh. get that much damage just by 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 doing that. So uh, that was the most memorable. <laughs> no. So Eldo, I saw that you. St- Studied music with John Crigliano? Yep. I was uh, his student in class, and then he asked me to be his private student, and that lasted for two years. Oh, cool. One thing I remember, uh, John, that sticks with me, a um, lot, lot, lot of things, but one thing in particular is he would say, when you're about to compose, uh, why? You know, why, why are you doing this? Because n- nobody needs another composition out there. The world does not need it. You know, so why are you doing it? And if you have a compelling enough reason why, it'll tell you what. So those, that was good. And then the other thing is, what world are you in? And I, and I ask you guys this all the time. As soon as you see that artwork, what world is this? Does that lady have an arm growing out of the side with the other arm? I'm like, that's, you know, that's different if she didn't have an arm growing out of her abdomen, right? Um, or if it's turtle men, you know, a bunch of guys who are part turtle. You know, like, what world are you in? So that's John Corigliano, and, uh, and I wrote a, um, a string quartet under his guidance. Cool. Jonathan, I was going to ask you a little bit just about your project that you're doing to do musical representation or art representation of, like, every single Bible verse. Yeah, that's, so that's the opposite of the slot machine writing that I do. <laughs> Uh, which is um, at least in concept, I suppose. But um, yeah, I write, I run a nonprofit, Spark and Echo Arts, that's creating a work of art, music, theater, poetry, film on every passage of the Bible. So um, we commission artists and musicians, and then um, we write and create music on, on every passage. So that, you know, it's sort of, in some ways, it's kind of similar in that you're led down these really bizarre roads that you wouldn't think you would be because if you're doing every passage in the Bible, you know, there's uh, these strange passages that are, you know, overlooked for creative means. You know, they're just like numbers or, or lists or, or an odd detail. And if you create a work on that, that might be really bizarre and interesting. And, and likewise with the slot machine writing, it's like, uh, you know, you're suddenly in this world with a, you know, Miami, uh, Miami doctor who is doing plastic surgery on all, but also has um, you know ulterior motives and you're you're thinking why are you writing why you know what would this be so that's thrown at you and you're suddenly having to, having to write in a way different direction than you ever imagined so i guess the the serendipity of both of those projects kind of keeps me going cool what, what do you have a favorite story from one of those verses that you one that was really fun to write music for? Um, yeah, well, let's see. I did a piece on, um, there's this passage in Ezekiel's writings where these, it's really bizarre where these, these wheels start spinning and rising up above the earth. And 
uh, sort of speak and, and have these lives um, become like, look like animals. Uh, <laughs> and uh, You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, creating, uh, and I was, I was doing this piece of music inspired by that and also uh, this Food Network chef that we became friends with, Artie nice. Sequera, who uh, she made a salad based on the passage. Uh, oh, Ze- okay. It's called Ezekiel's Wheel Chickpea Salad. Um, so she made the salad, and I was trying to write a song inspired by that uh, salad and the <laughs> verse the at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so I made the salad, sampled all the sounds, put them into the sampler, and tried to improvise with that palette. And uh, this, I, I like no the song. This, yeah, this, this is, is incredible. This is my other life, guys. Uh, <laughs> so, on the podcast, I do a question chain from episode to episode. So, the last person I interviewed, I asked a question for you guys, and uh, it turns out that he actually knows you guys. Whoa! Um, really, Kevin McLeod. Oh my oh, gosh! Really? Look at that. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> So no I asked way. him to ask a question, and I said, oh, yeah, it's um, for guys who write casino music. Um, and then only after the, he asked the question, he realized that, oh, wait, are these guys in New York? And I was like, <laughs> yep. Oh, is it John and Eldo? So, <laughs> so great. Um, wow. So his question for you is... When you need to have a high level of excitement in a track for one of these games, do you find it's easier to use purely electronic instruments, or can you still use orchestral instruments? Because he was kind of saying that he struggles with using just orchestral instruments to have like a super high energy thing. That varies from composer to composer. Are you saying he he, he has a problem because he only uses orchestral? He um, doesn't use he, electronic? He was saying that he kind of struggles with it when he tries to use just orchestral okay. instruments. To get the kind of... But yet... The oomph yeah. that he needs. Yeah. But yet, like, if you're in a, a world that's like, let's say it's a pirate world, it doesn't make right. sense to include, like, other some punchy Electric guitars things. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What it's do funny. Those, I, th- I feel like those things can exist in yeah. those things. And I feel like... Um, Maybe this is the place where those things can happen. Yeah, we do because, that a lot. Because we, yeah, we do bastardize, I guess, a little bit in that in that regard. Like you got to be careful not to be cheesy, though, because like putting an electric guitar can be great, but it but it has to it has yeah. to be just right. Yeah, I would say that the the one thing that really amps it up, as far as acoustic instruments, is voice. If you get opera singers or or a choir in there all of a sudden that are chanting, that makes it. Uh, in, in our world, a lot of high energy all of a sudden. Drum sets can also have that. Maybe there's a thing that, that we're getting to here, which is with those smaller, more modern instrumentations, you're feeling the impact of the individual. It's more intimate. You know, even if it, it's more powerful, it's louder, but it's also coming from one source as opposed to an orchestra, which is a little bit more, you don't know who's there, anonymous, Washed let's say. Sound, yeah. Kind of. So. Th- Vocalizing sort of fits into that because it humanizes the moment and causes some some empathy, you know, or some some entropy to to occur. Which otherwise, if you didn't hear, you know, that is just going to cause you to feel something. 
It makes me think of something that I've thought about a lot too for composing certain parts of certain games is like the kind of like 70s, 80s studio orchestras that kind of in some way bridges that gap too. You know, like the Price is Right theme or, um, mm-hmm. or, or somebody like, I mean, this is farther back, but somebody like Esquivel where there's kind of like this kind of cartoonish uh, quality. Is it like music for the people that, that you're sort of saying? Because it oh, was really for know. the people or, right there. Like, I guess so. Or, the Price or, is Right has or that. Or even, right, there's immediacy that. Immediacy. There's that. And I guess I think about that because of the nature of like what we do as far as like the Rolls Royce like um, casino kind of. Yeah, you know, come that, on, this is for a you. Little, yeah, a little yeah, bit of it. Yeah. There's sometimes a little bit of a game show quality to even the look of casino games. Mm-hmm. But, um, or even like Carl Stalling, you know, like where there's kind of like there's like orchestration and yet there's like this this goofiness and and, and it, it would be okay if like non traditional orchestra instruments were present in that in that scenario in fact yeah. they yeah it, you need them you know cuz cuz a lot of this is is uh, uh sound painting you know you're painting those pictures you creaking boats uh cannon fire you know those are those are beats those are sounds those are textures again this goes back to environmental elements at, at what point do those things cross the line and become compositional devices that you use you know even rhythmic uh, uh, devices which we do all the time mm-hmm, we'll take yeah. machine sounds and put them in there to chop you through that you know it, it, that hmm. doubles the impact right when the reality of of the object combines with the abstract of the music that's, that's going to be a powerful moment, right? Cannon blast right on the downbeat. How do you know when that, that you go too far and suddenly, like, your cannon fire is like a beatbox <laughs> version? Or yeah. I think too far is pretty much okay over here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like too... <laughs> too, too yeah, I too far, I don't know if too far ever happens. Too crowded happens a lot. Like, you yeah. have to fix that. Too crowded or too distracting. Like, if there's... If unclear... That that's a big problem for us, you know. You get writing and you put too many layers in. Right. And These guys go through a rigorous review process, though. It's like it's <laughs> five, six times that it, it passes back and forth between our ears and each other. Yeah. And it's not just me. I take it to other people, you know, mm. and I get unsolicited comments. And you know where I get them from? Not their words, their faces. <laughs> I, I play them. I watch their faces if I see people like... <laughs> you know, and, and, and then I will listen to them say, oh, that, you know, that that one electronic sound disturbed them. Zip, you know, was, was, it, it was out of place. Yeah. You can tell, you know, and, f- and people's faces don't lie and their gut reactions don't lie. So, so I, I try to give these guys a lot of feedback if they've gone too far with something or if it isn't working. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah. to not get, to get feedback from non-musicians a lot. Filtered no. through musician. Yeah, it's, right. it's, really, it's actually yeah. really cool, and it can kind of sometimes rub you the wrong way, but it's a lot of times more honest and more accurate than we would, you know, than you might get from a, you know, someone who understands what you were trying to do. You know, a non-musician might just hear, like, I don't like that sound. That one sounds, I don't like the whole piece. It's just not working. Turn it off, you know? Yeah. Somebody, somebody was busting my balls in a meeting, and, and it was for John's game Gypsy he wrote this score and we were very careful to say it's got to be Gypsy sounding use Gypsy scales like look into that kind of Romany music kind of you got to find the Disney-fied version of that now because also if you do things too literal it's going to go over people's head you, you, you know it's like not everything is pretty to listen to you know we, we do a romanticized version of things that's what art is um, so somebody heard that score ah it sounds like I'm at a Jewish wedding 
I could have taken that to be like, I don't need your opinion, you know. In fact, I didn't. And, and it was contentious and, and, and he was even having a beef that had to do with me that wasn't about that and he was using that. All of that's going on. But yet, right when I'm about to say, F you, I realize it sounds like a Jewish wedding. I said, no. And, and other people were like, no, 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 no. Hey, that's way too, that's not cool. You know, that's too far. I'm like, no, he's absolutely right. Because if somebody's going to have that effect, that knee jerk effect, and that word came out of his mouth like that, there's a part of it there that I needed to take a look at and make sure that we just like really clearly identified it as one thing, dial it in the, the nuance of it. And I brought the game mm -hmm. back to John. And I said, we're going to just move away from a little bit of the ha, ha, ha on this one part of it and, you know, take them through. And, you know, John found solutions to ameliorate the Jewishness maybe of some of the sound and maybe pull it more gypsy. What are those demarcations? Those are really vague. You know, so it's really important not to let your ego get involved. It's not about who's right, it's about what's right. think um like people who are just starting out at high five games composing are there any things you notice like in their mixes or something that often you have to like say well we probably have to cut this out or that kind of thing well i mean i it's something at least i still struggle with is that uh you know, you're, you're designing, you're not just writing a piece of music, you're writing a whole game. And so you, you write this underscore, but you have to write it in a way that understands that there's a lot of other things that will chance happen over top of it. And you have to write the whole world together instead of, you know, you might come from a <clears throat> classical music background or, you know, a conservatory where you're writing a piece of, you're writing this piece of music and it has to tell the whole story in this one single piece. Well, in this world, you're writing part of the story here and the other part here and the other part and it has to happen all together in, in, in any order. So that's, that's hard. A lot of times yeah. you first want to write way too much music in this, the underscore perhaps. That's yeah. definitely happens. I yeah. think there's definitely like some of these kind of like roll up type elements where it's like the sound has a job in the game. And sometimes some of us can stray from what that is and it, and, and it makes what's happening in the game at that moment vague. So I think that's that's a scenario where somebody that's kind of newer might go astray or, yeah. or need to kind of like be that needs to be reiterated a couple times until they kind of really understand these this is how the game works and this is what the sound is going to do at the moment like that, a, it, that it comes up yeah like a real spin the, the sound of the, the real just spinning over and over whenever you hit the button Nick's a real spin master. Uh, he is, and so, uh, you know, you, you have to, like, it's really hard to dial in a sound that sounds like real spinning, sounds like something's percolating, but that you can hear, you know, maybe a thousand times in a row. Uh, yeah. not, not get tired of it, but still find it interesting, find it compelling. I don't know how you do it, but... 
They're yeah. magical. Just <laughs> well, thank you. Well, if, if you have five reels, you can have them pitched in five different tones. They could be they could be subtly pitched. They 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 can go up. They can go down. They can have the the sonority on the outside and an underscore element, and just have a a a, uh, a sound design element spinning them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can invert them. You could you, you know there's all kinds of different ways in which you could do it. We've even done some real spins that it, it would default to subgroups because. There were shout-outs in them. It was a boxing game. And so he said, well, for those like, you know, Andy took it on the chin, you know, and he got a swing, you know, and the <laughs> champ is down. You know, if you hear it too much, it's like, oh, you know, you're going to walk away from it. So we, we put quadruple the amount of real spins in, 16, and randomized them. Hmm. So you can see that, that it, it took a little bit of experimentation to sit down in front of it and finally feel like it's right. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys... Do you ever study like old school slot machines and like how they, the actual sounds and yeah, inform yeah yes actually yeah we've had to do games where we are reconstructing an old type game and in that you literally go in and and you try to chameleon the sounds as best as you can so you know you try to use the palette that you have but yeah I mean there's a lot of I mean, a lot of the bells, you know, a lot of FM synthesis you can, that like can approximate the bells. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of actual, like, you know, basic, with a basic synth, like with ADSR and like square and, and sine waves. You mm-hmm. guys have also made like sounds of quarters, like you've gone in and actually made real quarters hitting different sounding pans. John, you did that, didn't you? Was that you? Um, I've Strauss? used it, but you guys recorded them, I think, in the Foley sessions. We were like, we need to have the reality of quarters hitting, and nothing's going to sound like that until we experiment doing it. And these guys pulled off a session. I think they even told me they used different surfaces. Yeah. and um, Different year quarters. Yep. Right. 50s, yeah, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Silver. <laughs> quarters on wood, quarters on metal, quarters on a symbol, pouring quarters on a symbol, an inverted symbol, so that you can get that yeah. metal on metal. Oh, that's cool. Mm. We've done a number of like Foley-type sessions for different games. I mean, that's one type thing that's kind of like can be an across-the-board type thing, but then in different yeah. you know games that have different themes, like the boxing game, I think. Yeah. They, they we, actually had, we actually had a, a punching bag. Oh, oh, that's right. We had a punching bag hanging in the in the thing, and we we recorded it. But uh, but the point about the coins is is that there's mecha- a mechanical element to these things originally, right. and we emulate. There, there's always a mechanical environment that you're standing in in front of it because these things are emulations of those. So the reels tumbling, you know, they're they're almost like little codexes. It is fun so, to do that though, like to mm-hmm. to actually like try to. Have a set of sounds from a game, and then try to like how like how if you had to make eleven sounds that now exist in that game, like what you know, what instrumentation are you going to use? Like how are you going to mimic it as closely as possible? That's that's fun homework to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I would like to get a question from you guys um, for the next composer I interview. Are you allowed to tell us? who they are now oh no you, you say it after, after. Yeah. oh yeah that's fair that's how i, <laughs> I just want to the kevin mcleod thing is blowing my mind that <laughs> that's funny i just you said wanna, you guys um uh lived together at one point yeah or? yeah i mean kevin and i go back to green bay wisconsin 
What's the, what's <laughs> yeah, the football that was team? Total chance. The football. This, what's, yeah. Is there? There's a oh football team that does something yeah. out there, the top, and they do the, the best team. I know Kevin knows me, but when I was on San, I was in San Francisco, and I saw him on the street, and I said hi to him, and he could not recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> he <laughs> stared at me, and I said, "It's Aldo from you know from New York," and he looked at me, and it was like, like it wasn't blank; it was horror. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to walk away from him. In order for him not to become more embarrassed of the moment, I was just like, I just faded away. So make sure Kevin sees this. Yeah, or hears this. This isn't a video only. podcast. Oh, it's not a video podcast? No, it's just yeah, this whole time. Yeah, we got to restart. Yeah, there's been that. all these visuals we've yeah, been we, doing. I, I put on this cool eh. shirt. No, but seriously, he's awesome, and he's, in fact, one of the people that I point everybody to. Yeah, we did a workshop at his we, yeah. house with learning about new sample packs. And I sent somebody to his, to his website the other day because they were wondering, like, what kind of composers, you, you know, like, what do composers do if they're freelancing? And I said, right away, you need to go to, to Kevin McLeod's site and, and look at the way that he lays out his themes, moody, breezy, you know, yeah. uh, atmospheric, silent movie. You know, you can go there and immediately go, oh, my God, that's what I need. You know, yeah. how yeah. did this person already know? And that's yeah. the thing. Kevin has this this knack. It's a smart type of categorization that he's figured out. And great like, music. Yeah. And the music on his site is like we've we've used it. We've even purchased it at different times mm. in, in our games early on. When, when we were when we got overloaded and we were doing lots of stuff, we went on. That's how we found him initially, yeah. and then he turns out to live with him. Yeah, with him. <laughs> Very strange. And and I know where you have to ask you a question, but the other kind of part of that is when we saw Kevin McLeod, it was because we were on a high five trip to GDC in San Francisco, and we were, we were checking out. Of context. Out. That, yeah, that we, was were, it. we were it was actually doing doing homework on on that level too. Just yep. checking right. out modern video game sound implementation and all that. Cool. I just thought of one. Okay. Okay. Um, if you had to reverse engineer a film, now this maybe wouldn't work for a film composer. I don't know. Okay. So if if you had to reverse engineer a a film or some visuals to go with your music, what would you put with your music? You could take your take your favorite piece that you've done or or one interesting one and and say, all right. Tables have turned. Now you're going to put visuals to my music, and and here's what here's what I'd love to see. What would that yeah. be? That's that, cool. Does that work? I can, yeah. I can try again. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> cool. One other tradition on the podcast. Um, it would be awesome if you guys have time for this. Um, but I always ask the people I interview to come up with a little short intro for their episode, musical intro. Oh, um, yeah, so excited about and, this. And I was thinking <laughs> that it would be really cool to have, like, the Composer Quest version of a slot machine. Yeah. Like, what's... Done. Love it. It's done already. <laughs> done it. Do it. We're on it. Yeah. All right. We're on it. Cool. Well, thanks so much, guys, for chatting with me here. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. It's yeah, really it's cool. Great. Yeah, it's love, great. Love the show. Yeah. Love. Awesome podcast. Please keep doing this forever. You have a beard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your listeners may Major not know that. They, yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, your beard probably has some. You know, it it it, it helps the sound around your face because, right, right, the, yeah. the sound waves get caught up in there. It's like millions of little pop filters. That's it. 
So as you're <laughs> screaming at someone, I asked for maybe know, half and half. You know, it just <laughs> muffles it a bit. Yeah, I do always wonder like what people think I look like. Yeah, there's always that. That me. is you and the other. We. This is an existential question. <laughs> yeah, I thought you had a torso, but now I see you might not. <laughs> well, thanks again, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Composer Quest with Eldo Perez, Jonathan Roberts, and Nick Tardiff at High Five Games. You can check out more of their work at highfivegames.com. Our question of the week is, what's the tempo of the last song you wrote? I'm curious if the mood of it matches up with what we talked about in this episode. Is 120 beats per minute a comfortable tempo to you? Chime in at forum.composerquest.com. All right, now I really want to play the custom intro again that these guys made for this episode because the epicness of it made me laugh out loud the first time I heard it. Jonathan had this to say about it. As a tribute to Kevin McLeod and his comment about no good synthetic saxophones, I put a bunch of fake sax falls in here. So once again, here's the Composer Quest slot machine theme.